I really think it depends on how you're going to like connect your speech to the real world. Because mine, I mean, it doesn't really relate to me because I'm not dead. So <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Probably the number one thing is like choose a topic that you love and that you're passionate about. Because if you don't like your topic, you're not going to have fun doing your speech. And I feel like judges know when you're not. Greetings, friends. Lyle Wiley here, a high school English teacher and speech and debate coach in Thermopolis, Wyoming, and your host of the One Clap Speech and Debate podcast. I hope everyone is gearing up for yet another speech and debate season, another awesome season where all students are provided a voice and a community overflowing with talent, skills, love, and support. I can't wait. Season three of One Clap is here with a primary focus on platform events. We'll be sharing student speeches and interviews about platform speaking for the next several weeks. I've got some amazing speakers lined up. I've had some really great interviews. I can't wait to share them with you. It all starts with Cheyenne East sophomore Ella Goodman. I featured two episodes with Ella so far, including a speech spotlight episode where you can hear her speech in its entirety and an analysis episode of her speech by Cheyenne East head coach Marcus Viney. Today's Speech Love episode is an interview with Ella about her experiences in speech and debate and with informative speaking. Ella talked about what she thinks makes an informative speech effective and how public forum debate didn't really work out for her last season. She shares some of her secrets about comedic timing and her own affinity for Fritos, despite all the corn chip haters out there. Hey, let's go ahead and just jump right into my interview with Cheyenne East's Ella Goodman. I'm here with Ella Goodman. Thank you so much, Ella, for coming on the One Clap podcast to talk about your informative speech. Welcome. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> so, Ella, I want to ask you first, really important question. On a scale of one mm -hmm. to 10, how nerdy do you think that you are? Probably like, like a seven or an eight. Seven or an eight on the scale? Yeah. Like, what makes you say that? What elements well, make you sort of nerdy in your personality? I do public speaking for fun. And I think most people would probably consider that a nerdy thing. That's a good point. I suppose all of us kind of fall on that scale a little bit, right? Yeah. Are there, is there anything that you consume movies, books, any kind of media that would be considered, you know, sort of nerdy? I don't know. I, I watch a lot of like American horror story. So I don't know if that's considered a nerdy thing, but there's some like sci-fi stuff in there sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a <laughs> scary thing. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's that's interesting. You're, you're into that show, huh? Do you like horror yeah. in general? No, I hate scary things, but that, that show's not scary. It's more funny than scary. Oh, okay. Well, I, I've always been assumed that it was scary because it's got the word horror in it. But cool. Well, maybe I'll have to check it out if it's not too scary. So I'm having you on today to talk mostly about informative speaking, but I would like to know what got you started in speech and debate? Well, in eighth grade, we were signing up for classes and my friend had taken a speech class in eighth grade and she seemed to really like it. So I decided I would try it out in high school. And it was like completely different from everything that the junior high speech was, but like, I just loved it so much and I just wanted to stick with it. And everyone was so nice there. So it just seemed like a good place for me to be. Cool. Well, they're very lucky to have you at East and we're lucky to have you in the community too, because you are a fabulous speaker. I want to know first off, before we talk specifically about six feet under, like, what do you think is the most exciting thing about informative speaking in general? First of all, it's the only event that has VAs, which makes it like special because I mean, there's so many different things that you can do with VAs and they can add to your speech. But also I just think info is a really good way for you to pick a topic that you're really passionate about and just like 
educate people about it because you don't have to pick like a side in info. You can just like pick a topic and talk about it. And it's really fun. Plus you get to write your whole speech. So you get entire creative freedom over everything that you do. That's pretty. That's true. Did you do any other platform events this year for East? Well, I did PF for like one tournament at the very beginning of the year. And then halfway through the tournament, I ditched my partner and went to info instead. So that's the only event I've ever done besides doing expository at nationals. But hopefully I'm going to do more events next year. Cool. So public forum, that that was just a bad experience for you, that specific tournament? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I thought I would like it and I didn't. And so then like halfway through the tournament, I just left my partner and I didn't, I mean, I tried to tell him, but he wouldn't answer his phone. So I felt bad for him, but it's okay. (laughs) I'm sure that's all water under the bridge at this point. So (laughs) yeah. Well, it's a good thing that you went into informative speaking. You had an excellent informative speech this year that not only qualified you for nationals, but was a state champion worthy speech called six feet under. So I want to know inception wise, like how did you come up with the idea for your speech? Well, I was talking to my coach about like events I wanted to do. And, you know, I thought I wanted to do PF, but I didn't really like it. So I was like, maybe I'll try info. And then we started talking about all his like different things that he thought about that could be infos. And then he talked about how he read this article about like these skyscraper cemeteries that they were building in Japan. And I don't know, I thought that was really interesting. And so I thought maybe I'll do a speech about burials. And then I just kind of researched more about like what we do with dead bodies and like the topic of burials kind of evolved into like just how we deal with dead people overall. And that's just kind of how it started. Cool. So it was sort of like one idea led to another idea developed into an idea that that just was the one that you ran with. Okay. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have any suggestions or ideas about how folks can brainstorm topics in general in that space between, you know, the last time that you've competed or the last speech that you've given and the new one that you're going to do, like, what are you thinking you're going to try to do to get the creative ideas going in your head and come up with a new topic? I mean, definitely talk to like the coaches and other people on the team, just in case they have any fun ideas. But then also, honestly, you can just like go on Wikipedia and like just scroll through the topics. And then if you see something you're interested in, just like click it. And then maybe go to a more reliable website to do like further research. But that's like a good place to start because they have all kinds of stuff on there and you can find like things that you think are really fun and interesting. It's a good idea. I mean, just browsing different topics that are in, you know, public eye at the moment or just even just any topics at all. And then maybe it's something that'll lead to a topic that you find really interesting. How important is it for you to find a topic that connects to you personally, especially in informative speaking? Is that, do you think that's important? I really think it depends on how you're going to like connect your speech to the real world because mine, I mean, it doesn't really relate to me because I'm not dead. So (laughs) that's probably a good thing, but, um, Like, it just depends on how you want to relate it to the real world. Because I saw some infos this year and they like, in their third paragraph, they related it like back to themselves and had more personal connections. Whereas like my speech, I related it to like everyone in the world overall, because it's a problem that like everyone in every country has. Yeah. And I I suppose that if you have high personal interest, like you can be passionate about something, even if you don't have a personal connection to it. 
very glad yeah. that you're not dead. That's that's a fair point. It w- wouldn't be awesome if you had a deeply personal connection to your speech this year. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> when you sat down to write your speech uh, after you get your topic, and I'm sure you've developed some ideas for it, and you've done a bunch of research and and have some different ideas and directions you can go. Like, what were some of the moves that you made specifically to try to keep it engaging, fresh, interesting, fun? Like the number one thing is adding jokes. Like I feel like jokes can make all the difference in the world, especially with judges who have had to sit through a round for an hour and they've just heard all these boring speeches. If you like come in the round and you're the upbeat, fun person that has jokes and like entertaining content in their speech, I think they'll rank you higher. And I feel like that's part of the reason why I did so well this year is because my speech was like, I mean, it was educational, but it, I felt it was really entertaining. And it had a lot of shocking things that people didn't know. That's another good thing is just add wow factors, like things that adults wouldn't know and they'd be shocked by. Yeah, I think, I I suppose there's probably topics where you'd probably want to avoid humor, but I think that you're absolutely right. You, you mix, you have an amazing mix of humor and then just, yeah, big time wow information that folks just wouldn't know, or maybe, you know, some people might know, but like, obviously just kind of obscure, interesting stuff that keeps people engaged. So yeah, you're able to educate and entertain at the same time, which I think is, is tricky. How do you develop comedic timing? You're very good with comedic timing. Well, I mean, I did some of the jokes myself, but then I would like read my speech for people. And then they would, I don't know if they noticed something where there could be a joke, they would just like tell me. And then maybe we'd like change the joke a little bit, but really it's just like when you see an opportunity, use it. Because, I mean, just the more jokes you have, the better, as long as they're not like offensive or anything. Yes, absolutely. Do you think that the hope of us, I mean, hopefully we'll all be competing in person. Are you excited about the opportunity to really maybe see more reaction from the speech as you give it and then adjust accordingly in terms of like comedic timing and that sort of thing? Absolutely. That was probably one of my favorite parts of doing info this year was just seeing like the judges reactions and like the other people in the room's reaction when I like told a joke or like um, told kind of like gross, creepy facts. Cause I don't know. That's another thing that I love about info is just like seeing the look on people's faces when they like learn something shocking or new, or they think something's funny. It's just a really good feeling. And hopefully I'll get to experience that more next year. So uh, you mentioned it before as one of the more exciting things that propels informative speaking, but what, what are your thoughts on visual aids in informative speaking? What are some creative ways that people can use visual aids? Your visual aid, maybe talk a little bit about what you did this year and maybe just some thoughts you have on what you might try to do in the future. Well, I think visual aids are obviously a really cool thing since right now info is the only event that has them. I know a lot of people do boards. They do kind of the same thing, but I feel like there's so much more stuff that people just haven't tried yet. And I feel like as info grows older, there'll just be more and more kinds of visual aids. I mean, this year I kind of like took inspiration from things like national recordings I'd watched or other people on the team in like past years. And I kind of had some like interactive fun things on my VAs. So like you can do that just kind of and make sure they like um, make sense with your speech but don't like overuse them because then it's just, it feels like they're carrying your speech more than like the actual speeches, but don't underuse them either. Make sure like, you know, they're a good part of your speech and they make sense with it. Yeah. I think that's a good balance. 
so you you sat down you you came up with a topic you researched you came up with engaging ways to kind of present your topic write your speech kind of get it get it in a place where you're comfortable performing but like how much over the course of the year did your informative speech evolve to the place where it was a state champion worthy speech to the place where it was a national qualifying speech like how did it evolve over the course of the season well it evolved like a ton at the very like first few tournaments my speech was only like four minutes and I would just like read through it really fast and nobody could hear what I was saying. They'd always tell me that on my ballots. I don't know. As the year went on, I got better at speaking and I just extended the speech. I wrote more, but also like the content of it changed. And I really like picked through all the facts and I put what I needed in the speech and then took out what was unnecessary just so that it really like was as impactful as it possibly could be. What were some of the resources that you had that that kind of helped you figure out strengths and weaknesses of your speech. I imagine you also used feedback and stuff from judges as well, but did you, did you bounce stuff off of like family members, friends, folks in speech and debate, out of speech and debate? Like what kind of resources did you use to try to improve it? Well, I was too scared to do it in front of my family. They didn't actually see my info until like after nationals. So like a few weeks ago, but um, I definitely did it in front of like my friends in speech and debate and the coaches. I would go through my speech and then they would write stuff down as I was going. And then afterwards we would go over it. And then I would like do my speech again and try to like incorporate that stuff into it. And I feel like that's just a really good way to improve your speech and like yourself as a speaker overall. Because if you have somebody else there that knows what they're doing, like they can help you a ton as long as you're willing to learn from them. That's really interesting that you were nervous to give your speech to your family. <laughs> Is that just because, I don't know, it's somehow easier to do a speech for folks that you don't know as well as your family because you're afraid your family might see you differently or I don't know. It's interesting. I felt the same way, by the way. I just think it's weird. I'm wondering why we're like that. I mean, I just think it's because, I don't know, I was nervous I'd mess up in front of them or something. And like, I live with them, so I have to see them every single day. But like the judges, I'm never going to see them again. And if I do, it'll probably be like at Walmart or something and they won't even remember me. So it doesn't really matter. So if you were going to like give some advice to a new freshman next year, someone who's never done informative speaking, like what would be some maybe advice that you give them about how they can go about writing and performing a really great informative speech too? I think probably the number one thing is like choose a topic that you love and that you're passionate about. Because if you don't like your topic, you're not going to have fun doing your speech. And I feel like judges know when you're not enjoying yourself. So if you pick a topic that you like, then, you know, you can have more fun doing it. And I don't know. I feel like the most important thing is to have fun while you're doing your speech because it makes all the difference in the world. If the judges feel like you're happy because then they just get like a better vibe off of you. And then they'll probably like your speech more overall. I think that's some really great advice. So can I generalize with you just a little bit? What do you think is the very best part of speech and debate in general? Like what has been in your freshman year, the best thing about joining the speech and debate community? Probably just all the people on the team. I mean, they're all just so like nice and welcoming. And I've made so many new friends that I wouldn't have seen myself talking to if I didn't do speech and debate. And I just feel like just the community of speech and debate overall is definitely the best part. That's so awesome. Uh, one last question before I let you go. And okay. it's like, it's an important question, although things are different now that we're in this sort of, you know, virtual world, but still 
we all need to have snacks when we're competing <laughs> or in the middle of competition. And it's important to me to find out what the best snacks are. So what, what about you? What is your go-to speech and debate snack? Definitely chips or a granola bar because they're easy to bring around and you can just like haul them around the school pretty easily. Yeah, portability is important. It's true. Yes. What What are your favorite chips? Ooh, um, I really liked Fritos, but everyone made fun of me for liking Fritos at the tournaments this year. I don't know why, but salt and vinegar chips are pretty good too. Yeah. What, what What's What's the hate for Fritos? I mean, is it just because they're too simple, like they're corn chips? I don't know. Maybe, but nobody else liked them. So there was more for me. Yeah, that's a great point. More for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ella, for jumping on the podcast with me. I super appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. I can't wait to yeah. see what you do next year. I think it's going to be really exciting. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Ella Goodman for coming on the podcast and sharing her speech and informative insights. If you have an idea or a request for One Clap Speech and Debate, shoot me an email at lylewiley at gmail.com or reach out on the One Clap Speech and Debate podcast website or social media linked in the show notes. I'm super excited to be back for season three of One Clap, and I really love making the show and all the resources that we do with the show. It's really like my love letter to the speech and debate community, and I love doing it, but it's not a free enterprise, and it takes a lot of time and effort on top of cost for me to create and produce. This year, maybe consider supporting One Clap Speech and Debate by checking out our Patreon page linked in the show notes. You can partner with me on this journey for as little as $1 a month and stop patronage at any time. Your gifts help keep me going. Thanks to our patrons, Terry, Tina, Melissa, Brenda, Aaron, Beth, Laura, Ashley, Marcus, Lonnie, and Debbie. Thank you so much for listening to One Clap Speech and Debate. We'll catch you next time. One Clap.